What's up, everyone? This is episode 237 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, and my X account is at Wax Museum PC. And I'm not going to waste any time here on the intro because I am what you might call a frugal man. I guess that's the proper way of saying it. I'm still using the free version of Zoom. So we are officially on the clock today. We have the return of the official Northeastern correspondent. Some of you might know him as S. Halley 2003 or Showley or that Jay Crowder guy. Steve, I, I know the people at home can't see this, but is that a new Fanatics shirt that you're sporting tonight? No, this is a Quincy Youth Soccer coach shirt that I'm sporting tonight. My Fanatics shirt has been lost in the mail for a few weeks. Okay, so um, pop quiz here. Which shirt has the better quality graphics on it? Is that one going to fall apart in the wash on you? To be honest with you, this is the second season I've coached. And yeah, by the end of the season, the uh, arms of the sleeves will be falling off. Okay, well, you know, with good reason. You probably uh, probably had to sell some cookie dough or something to earn that shirt. So anyway, we we are going to talk plenty about Fanatics later on. And, and I'm really just poking fun at an Instagram story you posted earlier this week. I've got a hodgepodge of topics for us today. I mentioned Crowder in the intro there. So let's start things off. You know, it, we've always got to get a good Crowder update here. And then also a discussion on some of the new products that have hit shelves in the last month or so. So I was browsing through your social media and it looks like you just recently finished off another Crowder rainbow with Panini Photogenic. Can you tell me a little bit about that one? Yeah, so I'm sure most people out there know what Photogenic is. It's almost like the Panini version Stadium Club and Crowder, to my surprise, was in there as a Milwaukee Buck. It's a kind of great action shot. He probably played a total 30 minutes for the Bucks by the time he got there and then wasn't injured and wasn't fighting with the coach, but... He made that set somehow, and on Card Hobby, there is an insane number of photogenic cards. I know Big J Basketball mentioned that in one of his recent posts as well. I probably could have got eight or you know eight copies of the out of 25 and four or five copies of the out of 10, so it was a pretty easy rainbow chase. They all popped up. I got all of them except for the 101 for less than 20 bucks combined, and then got bid up a bit on the 101, but it was the easiest rainbow chase I've ever had. Is uh and now maybe I'm rusty here in the off season. Is Crowder still a buck or yeah? Has that he resigned changed? with that. He re, he resigned with them as the further the vet minimum. Okay, all right. So you've got a at least you got a nice bucks card of him already. And I'm not super collecting any active players, but I imagine a, a six card rainbow. I think that's what photogenic is. A six card rainbow is a bit of relief these days in the era of prism and select and so forth. And you mentioned trying to chase some of these parallels in places like Card Hobby. Um, and you you also mentioned Optic in, in one of the group chats that we're in and how you're actually having trouble finding singles from the newest release. So are you worried you know, that you may never see this stuff or do you think it will eventually trickle out? Or, or tell me a little bit more about that. I'm not worried, but Kyle, we've talked about one of the reasons I enjoy, you know, PC and a modern player is it helps me sort of track the hobby and, and look back on trends in the hobby, right? And up until even with stuff like Mosaic, he's never been, he hasn't been in select in years. So I haven't had to deal with the retail and the different That's levels. That's got to be a relief. There's a lot there. It's a huge relief. I think those yeah. are up to like 80, 80 card rainbows. But um, Optic, 2022 23 Optic, he is in it. 
it's the first time that I just haven't seen the commons pop up. Like I've so the hobby stuff's popped up. I've seen a few of the golds, um, but the the choice or the retail parallels, the stuff that is a little bit more, you know, commonly ripped or stashed, um, that stuff just has not been popping up on Facebook, eBay, card hobby. Uh, there's nothing on C. It seems like we're finally at the point, at least from one player collector perspective, that Panini is out producing what the market wants right now. Um, so it just seems like there's a lot less of that being ripped than, say, previous years, Mosaic or Prism or Optic type products. And I, I would say definitely, yeah, like you said, definitely the Chromium stuff there. Now, I know I didn't ask about the higher end stuff, but you are building a little bit of a Crowder Jumbo Flawless Patch Stash um, you know, have you noticed that those are still showing up or, or what's the status on those? Had that, not, not much of that stuff's been on eBay recently, but card hobby again, there's been a, as I know you're on card hobby. There's a lot of flawless stuff on card hobby. Um, it's been popping up there. I think today, two more of the, uh, the gold out of 10, the dual patches, which I think you might've talked about on your show or not. The, this is a jumbo patch and the dual patches. So two more of those showed up. I'm not, I'm not hoarding those i'm only hoarding the jumbo patches because the jewels i just think are an ugly design but yeah that stuff's still the higher end stuff is still showing up and even like i mean crowder's not in it but looking for pierce or bird stuff there's you know impeccables being busted and, and stuff like that i think is immaculate was very very popular in both ebay and, and card hobby when that was you know new i think that would have been a 21 22 product recently but so that i think the higher end stuff is still getting opened mm -hmm. um, i think people are just burnt out on the same old looking chromium stuff yeah, and I'm glad that those Crowders are showing up because uh, a couple years ago, I was chasing the TJ Warren jumbo patches. And well, you know, that was also when we had the the triple logo man chase. So my fear was that the only stuff that was really being ripped was to this all, you know, the really high end people. And those TJ Warrens were just ending up in boxes somewhere and, and they really weren't showing up. Now, I eventually I grabbed eight of them, but, um, you know, that's been several years in the making. So uh, I think you've already surpassed that with with Crowder. So I hope you can keep going with that. Um, now, I know people are probably burnt out on Mosaic by now, but Mosaic, I noticed it just released. And I, I will say I've seen some awesome uh, Benedict Matherin and Halliburton inserts that might pull me back in a little, although there are some errors, which you and I have talked about. I might have to make a YouTube video going through those, but um, I downloaded the checklist to see if Crowder was in there. And um, I guess much to your pleasure in this case here, it looks like he's not. We might've finally hit that point, like you said, where Crowder is going to no longer show up in some of these products um, what are your thoughts on on him not being in Mosaic or just Mosaic in general? Have you been looking at any of that stuff? I mean, I'm not. I've never been a big fan of Mosaic. I think I've said that on your show, and I've said it on my, you know, in my Instagram reels or stuff like that. There's certain parallels that look good, but um, I, I'm at the point as a player collector, Kyle, that I don't check the checklist anymore. I just hope that the stuff doesn't show up on eBay, right? So if I don't see any like player breaks for Mosaic for Crowder, that that's my sigh of relief because I, I don't want him to be in that. I'm at some point it all looks the same. But you brought up Mosaic. I, I haven't looked at that product much, but the only card that I've looked at is a, it's a Paul Pierce LeBron James card. It's in, I think it's my assumption would be that it's called Moments in Time. It's Pierce sizing up LeBron. LeBron's guarding him. Overhead shot. Goofy picture, but cool idea. And then on the back of the card is a narrative about, so this is a Cleveland Cavaliers LeBron card on the front. On the back is a 
narrative about him dunking on Jason Terry. Now, when Jason Terry was on the Celtics, LeBron James was a member of the Heat. So it's a moment in time of Pierce versus LeBron, but the back talks about Jason Terry getting posterized by LeBron. It's, I, I think I said to maybe you or, or some of the guys in another group chat, it, I think they just are cranking this out to the interns. They're sending it off to bachelor, bachelor students at the community college and saying, hey, guys, practice your Photoshopping and hit prints. I don't, I don't know. It's a disaster of a card. Yeah, there's a Halliburton insert, and I don't, I don't remember what it's called and really it doesn't matter, but um, it's got three different pictures of Halliburton on there. And I thought, Oh, cool. It's a, it's a career, you know, retrospective or whatever, because one of the pictures was a Kings picture. Like he's, it says Sacktown on the Jersey, but then I looked at every other player in the set, like LeBron and everyone else. And no, it, it was supposed to all be the same team. So uh, yeah, we still got a lot of that kind of stuff going on. So there you have it. That's us covering new products, guys. It's it's very hard to discuss new products now, but um, I did my best. I looked at the checklist. I hoped that Crowder wasn't in it. I think Steve hoped the same thing. So here we are. But anyway, you know, you you completed this more modern rainbow with Photogenic. We've talked about the new stuff here, but you've also finished uh, another project from from many decades ago. And for those of you that tune into my YouTube channel, you might have seen a video that Steve was kind enough to record this past weekend about his 1957 top set that he's been working on. And, and one that I'm working on too, albeit at a, at a little bit slower pace. Um, but I would encourage you, if you haven't seen it, go ahead and check that out. It's a great video that Steve put together. In the meantime, though, would you give us some of the reflections on the set now that you have officially finished? And congratulations, by the way. Thanks. And and you say it a little bit slower for pace that you're working on it, Kyle. I mean, it I, I haven't been actively chasing the set, but I picked up my first 57 tops probably in 2014. So it was almost a decade chase, and it went from wanting to get the Celtics Hall of Famers to the Celtics team set to anybody that played for the Celtics. And then, well, it's an only only an 80-card set with only so many teams in the league. So if you get all the Celtics, you've got a good chunk of the uh, set. So then I went for it all. I, I message message you because I knew you were working on it when I finally you know hit the hit the bite now on the final card I needed and it was once I got that in hand I think it was the most enjoyable moment I've had in the hobby from just a pure collecting perspective like ac- accomplishing that I put a lot of value in having cards that you can date back and have history um, and then on my Instagram I went through and did a write up of every single card you know cards eighty down through card number one little bit what I could find about the player, who they were, maybe something about the car. Like I didn't write up a lot about Bill Russell, but I talked a little bit about the print run when I talked about Bill Russell's card, because who's going to recognize Bill Russell in an Instagram post, right? Like this doesn't do, right. do, do justice. So I think what some of my takeaways are is it's really, it's a really tough chase. Like I had very specific criteria, PSA five or better, um good eye appeal no miscuts um no holes no damage so kind of going against your flow um, <laughs> the, right, the exact chasing... opposite of what i'm yeah. doing <laughs> <laughs> but i'm also not chasing 61 flare and some of the other stuff that you you know we're doing at the same time so this was you know one track mind for me um the league was so different you know the the nba was not the go-to league back then and it really shows when you kind of dig into who the players are i mean they played basketball to get to college and that's mm-hmm. really what their goal was. And leaving college, they could have gone to a couple different leagues. They could have. Bob Cousy tells a great story you know, that he still talks about today about he had a better job offer to get as an accountant, and he had already opened up a driving school. So he almost walked away from the NBA to be it get ten thousand dollars a year to be an accountant and to own his own 
driving school in Worcester, Massachusetts, but that was potentially a better quality of life than joining the NBA and traveling and hotels and buses and owners and fans and crappy stadium arenas and all that stuff. So I really took a lot away from that. I took a lot of, it really got me mad at JJ Redick and all the people that talked about the 75 greatest players. Cause we're talking about generation players. Almost all of them gave up a year to three years to serve in the military. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the African-American players dealt with racism that we can't imagine and healthcare issues that we can't imagine. No bonuses, no benefits that, you know, it's, and, and these guys paved the way in the NBA. Just, like I said, it was an infancy stage. And I really reading up on it really kind of shined a lot of light on, on where the NBA has come and how lucky we are to be fans of such a, a modern and entertaining product right now. Cause it was, it was kind of a disaster back then in many regards, you know, and these players did it because they loved playing. Cause the, the, like I said, quality of life was better in many other aspects of society back then. Yeah, you mentioned Kuzi, and you actually passed along a, a podcast to me. I, I think it was from the the maybe the Boston NBC station, but um, it was a recent interview with Bob Kuzi. And man, I was surprised. Like he is still incredibly sharp. He's funny. Uh, he's you know there there was not a slow moment in there. So I, I look forward. Hopefully, they've got some more footage of that. Uh, maybe they'll release that later this year. Now. You mentioned that you picked up Russell in some of these Celtics early on. So it's not like you were holding out for the most expensive card in the set. So what was your final card that you did end up grabbing? That was like you said, a huge relief. And and was it just coincidence or was it actually pretty tough to find? No, it was just coincidence. I want to say it might've been, it might actually be the one that I have that's damaged. It needs to go back. I think it was, I think it was Bob Burrows. Um, and it really was, so going for graded cards, a lot of these cards, there's only 150, 250 graded copies by PSA. And then I wanted PSA five or better. Right. So they weren't, I mean, they're all readily available if you take time and patience to do it, but I wasn't going to go and hit bins of a $200 card that I know eventually would show up at auction. You could get it for 50 or 70 bucks. Right. So it's more just the waiting time. Um, and then when I did need that last one, I did find one that I hit a bin on it. Like I said, I think it was Burroughs. Um, I should have known that. I should have known you were going to ask me that. I'm not sure. It was a, a common player um, that most people wouldn't recognize the name of, but it was one of the ones that was graded. There's only like 180 copies of, and I was just waiting for the right price to pay for it. Okay. So like I said, um, you know, you talk about all that in the video that you made. You also show how you store them which a lot of people have asked me about storing stuff and uh, my storage solutions change probably every few months. So I always like seeing different methods of storage. Now you've got some other projects that I know you're working on. I don't know if you're doing any sets specifically, but um, I've seen some binder updates on your social media. I know I like seeing the Pierce binder, even though I can't stand Paul Pierce. And then you also have a binder that it looks like you're building with your daughter. So how long has that project been going on and what all does that entail? So she's seven. So that's been going on for it's about the 2018-19 season. Because what got what got her into it was um no after that. So it's been going on since about the post-pandemic. Because right after the pandemic ended and shows started open on Father's Day, there's one local. Um and she went with me to it and um so a dealer gave her a Jalen Brown green prism card that she wanted something to do with and she knew I had binders and then um, my friend Dan the itch for card sent over a pink ice prism which we don't want them right but for a three or four year old girl she loved it 
of I believe it was Al Horford, and then I was going through my stuff, retail rips. I had a Jason Tatum and a, a Robert Williams. So it started with her enjoying just doing what I was doing, but having her own, and the fact that they were pink and purple sparkly cards really, really took to her. Um, over, you know, as being part of a father of a girl, you know, I bring her to sporting events, both um, amateur and professional, but I also, I make sure to highlight bringing her to see women's women play as well. So if we go to see my high school play, I'm taking her to see the girls soccer team, girls basketball team, as much as I am going to see the boys. Right. And so we've gotten together, we've gotten into going to the WNBA games. And so I've been um, opening WNBA products with her, I'll, you know, grab a blaster. If I go to target, I've grabbed a few boxes of revolution prism, all the WNBA stuff is shiny. A lot mm-hmm. of it is sparkly. Uh, so it really ties to her, but she loves when there's cards of a player that she's seen, right? So the Connecticut Sun stuff, she doesn't keep her Connecticut Sun stuff in our shared binder. That all goes in a box that she has them all top loaded because like the Connecticut Sun get priority in her life. Um, so they're up on a, a shelf. So it really just started with that. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Of course, dad has to bring in his collector side of it. So I've been chasing the Connecticut Sun uh, Galactic Team sets and actually the kind of the whole Revolution Master set just for... My own enjoyment, she could care less if I get the same, you know, Dijonet Carrington card in or twice. As long, but if she gets to have it, then she'll take it and put it aside. So um, what's really cool is she is starting to take ownership of it herself. So she'll come up to the bedroom and go, Dad, I'm going to look at my cards and say, hey, have you seen this one recently? You know, most of it's stuff that my friends have given her um, or, like I said, some of the shiny cards. So she's taken to it. Um, she's really enjoying it. But more that similar to me, she's enjoying it because she knows the sports behind it. And mm-hmm. then like an autograph card blows her mind. She's like, did you meet this person? Like, did, did they? So when I showed her the D Brown autograph that I got a show recently, I was like, I met him and his daughter plays for a team that we've seen. Like that type of st- connections are really um, exciting for her, the stories behind it. So it's, it's been a lot of fun and really rewarding. So I noticed uh, one name you didn't mention there that I think you've been picking up is Veronica Burton and I, and she plays for the Dallas Wings. So I'm assuming she's got to be a Massachusetts um uh, talent is that correct yeah she's out of uh, a city right outside of boston her father is actually uh, a very very well respected local sports broadcaster that i've grown up following his career um and she's one of a couple of his children that are very talented athletes and she uh started started newton south high school went off to northwestern yeah now she's playing for the dallas wings of the wnba so that that's the connection there is the the massachusetts connection Okay. So I think, yeah, I think I saw a prism gold and, and maybe it was a galactic. I couldn't quite tell from the picture, but it uh, looks like you picked those up recently. So, all right, before we continue any further in the conversation, I want to remind those of you listening at home that this show is brought to you in part by comc.com, your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 33 million cards from basketball's biggest stars like Ron Artest, Veronica Burton, and Jay Crowder to Marvel favorites like Spider-Man, Thor, and Captain America. ComC has something for every type of collector. Visit ComC.com today to build your collection with your favorite cards. I'm pretty sure that's not the players that ComC put in there for me to read off, but that's okay. Um, You can get any player you're looking for. Okay, for this last portion of today's conversation, I ask you what you wanted to talk about because it's usually me going through and, and kind of picking things out. And you brought up the topic of why we collect and when you wrote that, my mind immediately went to fanatics and their aspirations of 10 X in the hobby. And I, I thought that might be where you were going with it. 
Uh, and it really wasn't, but you said you would humor me. So I think there is some overlap and we can kind of explore that conversation today. And uh, earlier in the show, I, I needled you about one of your recent fanatics experiences. And it's funny because that's one of the things that Michael Rubin and, and the company prides themselves on is, is the experience and yours wasn't very good. So I don't remember the specifics. Can you tell me what happened? Yeah. So I was, uh, and I told myself I was done ordering from fanatics. I just, I really find the quality of the product to be infuriating. And I, I don't like, I don't like the experience and it's ironic that they're trying to sell us the experience all the time. I went on, there was a nice looking sweatshirt that I've been looking at for a while. It was on sale for 40 bucks, had my size in free shipping. I was like, all right, let me just click the button. I'll, I'll buy this sweatshirt. It's getting cold here in New England. I need to refresh my hoodie closet anyways was due to be delivered on august 26 um and then it just disappeared in the mail until all of a sudden on september 2nd i got a notification that it was out for delivery in fall river massachusetts for those that aren't familiar with the northeast fall river is a city about 45 minutes south of where i live so clearly not out for the delivery in the right area um and then uh overnight at some point it got quote unquote marked as delivered uh delivered mm -hmm. at two o'clock in the afternoon um reached out to the shipping company they use which is a company called on track laser ship never heard of it don't know exactly the you you guys can't see kyle's face right now but uh reached out to them i got a bot response that said thank you we'll look into it uh about three or four days later i got a message from them basically saying go pound sand reach out to your seller hmm. we don't have any info for you so i called up reached out to fanatics getting in touch with them is not easy eventually i was able to get someone on their live chat who said nope it was delivered and i said no 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 no. it says delivered i didn't get it and the delivery actually says on a front porch i don't have a front porch like i can go take a picture of my house if you want he's like okay we'll consider it lost reach out to us in three days. Let's see if it shows up. So they made me wait three days, left the onus on me to reach out back to them. I reach out back to them after going back and forth again. They finally offered to send me the hoodie again. I said, no, I'm, I'm moving on, guys. I want a refund. They agreed to the refund, said, we'll send you the refund in seven days. So that was yesterday or the day before. So for a hoodie that was supposed to be delivered at the end of August, it's going to be mid-September, and I'm just going to get my money back and no sweatshirt. Okay. F so that, fanatics. yeah. So I, that's, <laughs> I, I thought you had end up, ended up with the sweatshirt. So you didn't even get the sweatshirt. So no. um, yeah, what, which is probably the better thing, but you know, we, we we're critical of that, but like, I still occasionally buy from fanatics. So I understand why you do it because if you want team gear, there's not a lot of places to go. And, you know, you're, you're stuck going to this, or if you want to go to the, the Pacers, like in my case, the Pacers team store and, and pay double the cost for something that's going to be similar quality, maybe even made by them as well. I'm not Can I sure. interrupt, Kyle? It's, it's yeah. made by them. They even make, even the Nike branded stuff, they make all of the team apparel for the big four. They, so even if it's Nike, Reebok, Adidas, they're making it in their production facilities. It's not Nike quality sweatshirts. Like you'd get it, you know, if it was just a Nike sweatshirt, like a sporting goods store. Yeah, I had um, a shirt in the wash the other day, like the swoosh on the front of the shirt literally just came off. So and like it came out in the wash and, you know, it's whatever, but it's kind of like, well, you know, I don't really want these shirts now that have all these vinyl swooshes on them if they're just going to fall off. And it's not yeah. like I was nuking it in the dryer either. It, it just fell off. So um, there we go that I guess that's what we've come to expect. So they think that 
the people that are buying this gear, because it is still a lot of people buying this gear, because like we said, that's that's kind of your only choice. They think that they can convert those people into collectors. And, and from my understanding and from what they've said, that's kind of their approach to 10Xing the hobby. And then they might even transition that into gambling as well. Um, you know, do you think that that is a viable path or, or what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I don't. I think they need to focus on the collector experience and not focus on the sports fan experience. I, I do think market growth is a good thing. But I mean, just if we just did our own little focus group in our own lives, how many people in our lives are sports fans, whether it be collegiate or pro, and how many of them even want to entertain hearing about a sports card, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you say I can sell this and buy you something with the money I'm going to get, right? Most right. of the people in my life, that's all they care about. Um, so just because someone's a sports fan doesn't mean there's a collector. You you have to have a, a certain gene in you that makes you want to be a collector, right? There's an enjoyment you get out of that and a purpose. Um, and Fanatics thinks they can just bypass all that, quote unquote, innovate the hobby with, you know, by having Tom Brady sign an Expos card and people are going to go ballistic somehow, even though they won't know about it. And then all of a sudden 10x the market because they've tapped into every sports fan when I just don't. I just don't know if that's possible. I, I like the fact they want to, but I don't know that they're taking the right approach. And I'm really tired of companies selling me experiences. Just give me a good product. Right. And and while we don't have all of the answers for them, like you said, I think number one, they've got to actually make a good product. But then if they make that good product, then you you tossed out three questions to me in a chat earlier this week where you said, number one, why do we collect? Number two, why do we give up our free time to spend days at shows? And number three, why do we give up portions of our income to buy cards? And I, I'm curious what all your your thinking was behind that when you posed those questions. So what I didn't tell you was the whole thing came out because I was just cleaning up my office and going through notes from the back to school meeting we had with the big wigs in central office. And they hired a consultant to come in and ask us the why. You need to think of the why you're in education. It was kind of ridiculous, but um, it made me... I've been doing a lot of thinking of of that stuff because it's it's true. Like my free time's getting more and more limited with kids and coaching and work and all that stuff. And it really goes back to it goes back many years. I think it was Chris from um Card Ladder from the crossover, I think several years ago posted a question. If you had to give up one, what would you give up? The sports or the cards? And for me, mm-hmm. there's no cards without sports, right? For me, it's right. it's the love of the sports and and the cards are a way of chronicling that. Um, and I know we all say, oh, it's, you know, about the hobby and the people, which is great. Like you and I are legitimate friends because we met through cards. Right? I have people I talk to on a daily basis, but it really, I was, I've been doing a lot of thinking about why, what do I get out of the hobby? Because that also is going to change how I spend my money or if I move cards. And it really is about tying me to the sport better, right? Being a better fan because I research other players. If I open a pack, I want to know who's in there. Um and really just making sure that I, I have that connection between my fandom and then use the cards to better, you know, better my fandom or reflect, learn about players from the fifties that maybe only played for two seasons. Right. And and what does that do for me as a fan? Enjoy my, my entertainment and my, my knowledge base. Um, so that that's really where I was coming from with that question of like, what, why do I do this? Cause it's not really fun just spending a hundred dollars on an app, right? Like that's not fun. So there's gotta be more reasons to do that. And, and, what, what I don't know. I'm kind of curious to what was going through your head when I threw those questions. Yeah, I, I like that. And and you're, you know, you're kind of going down the idea that, you know, they're a conduit 
for other things. And um, I, I did an episode a long time ago called Why I Collect. And I I do not want to go back and listen to that at all. I hate listening to anything that I do pretty much. But um, I, I looked up some of the notes and and yeah, it was some of the things that you talked about. I, I do like um, kind of the structure, right? I like going to shows every few weeks. I like seeing the people there. I like the hunt. Um, that's something that's often overlooked is, you know, if, if I wasn't looking for cards, I'd probably be hunting for something else. I don't know what, but I'd be hunting for something else. And, um, what you mentioned is, is it's your way to number one, chronicle your history of your favorite team, but also learn more about the sport. And I have to say, after I get home from work, um, you know, I, I deal with reading and literature at work. I don't want to read when I come home. Like that, that's just not something I want to do. But if I can learn the history through cards, then that's kind of my cheat code to still find a way to do that without sitting down and always reading a book. It doesn't mean it doesn't lead me to a book or lead me to a Wikipedia, but um, I've learned a lot, especially like you talked about with your 57 set. I've learned about players that I would have had no knowledge of. I can't find video of them. And it, it all starts by seeing a card of them. And then going and find them in, in a book or or something like that. And um, I guess the last big thing for me would be nostalgia, right? Is because I, I find myself not only do I, I collect for nostalgia, but then I look at my the top ten or the top fifty list I just made. What are the top ten cards? It's mainly Pacers cards from the two thousands, which is where I have the you know the strongest memories of watching that team and kind of becoming a, a fan and solidifying that fandom and. Even when I moved to a new house um, and, and moved to a new school, right? I always had the Pacers and I always kind of had cards to fall back on. So uh, those just gave me a lot of, of really strong memories. And I guess I gravitated toward that. So uh, I've been I've been rambling for a little bit here. So do you have anything that that's come to your mind in addition no, to that? I was, I was just going to say, you kind of, I was going to summarize by saying exactly what you just brought up, nostalgia. I mean, nostalgia is a powerful drug. And if anybody's followed me on social media, I mean, part of the enjoyment with my daughter is seeing her and I posted like I really love that like Lexi Brown's a woman playing WNBA because D Brown's her father and I was you know ten years old when he was making his mark and my daughter's seen Lexi Brown playing it I love that I can look at her developing some sort of understanding of sports and take myself back to that time and I mean nostalgia again going back if you followed any of my social media I mean I've jumped into Legos recently <laughs> I've jumped into like Marvel stuff I mean. It, nostalgia is a, a powerful drug. And I think that's, you know, to bring it back to the whole conversation, that's a big part of what fanatics is missing. They're, they're going right past that and they're going to the hype beast stuff. Um, and they're not tying it into kind of the fondness that collectors have for, for nostalgia and memories and, and learning. And um, I think the final thing I'll say is cards have increased my knowledge base to a point where I can watch winning time. And I already know about Frank Ramsey's involvement with the Lakers. So, you know, like you don't even realize the the knowledge and where it might play into other things that you might enjoy in life. So um, that's, that's my final takeaways there before I start rambling too much. Well, we'll and see. I'm watching, I'm watching your cheap man timer at the top of my computer. You got eight minutes left on this free zoom right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. I got to save that money for cards. So we will start wrapping up here. We'll see if fanatic can appeal to any of that stuff and any of that nostalgia moving forward. I hope they're listening. I, I mean, not necessarily to this show. I, I don't expect that, but I mean, listening to collectors in general, and that kind of opens it up here. If, if you are a collector, if you have a social media account, if you're listening to this, I, I'm assuming you do. You have a platform. You have the ability, just because they don't answer you, you have the ability to tag them still and say, hey, this is why I collect. 
Here's a card story. Here's something that I enjoy. Here's why I like this card. Here's more of what I want to see in the future. And hopefully uh, we can see some of that in the future. Hopefully it's not too late um, because, it, you know, either way, they've spent a lot of money on these licenses. So they're going to have to uh, appeal to people in some way, whether sooner or later. So, Steve, I've enjoyed chatting with you as always. You've got me thinking about a lot of stuff now here. And uh, we'll have to save that for another time because, you know, Zoom's not going to allow it here. But you've been on the show many times before. There is still enough time for you to close us out here. You know the drill. Go ahead and offer any final thoughts or share your social media handles or promote anything you're working on or any new set chases. The next few moments here are yours. I'll just double down on what you said, Kyle, and just, you know, people that enjoy collecting want to collect you know regardless of who's making the product just continue to participate in the hobby however you enjoy that if it's setting up at shows if it's calling into pack to the future with a card story if it's messaging you with something you know a question when you do your mailbags you know however it is that people enjoy giving back to the hobby and participating i think that is what will drive things forward and companies will have to you know listen to the voices that are, are participating so i agree with everything you said there i thought that was well said and i have nothing to plug Everyone knows who I am at this point. So if you get rid of Jay Crowder cards, like Kyler, I know about them. But other than that, I appreciate you having me on. As always, this was a fun time. All right. And you can find Steve's handle in the title of this episode. Feel free to reach out to me on social media as well. You can find me on Instagram under at Wax Museum Podcast or X under the handle at Wax Museum PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the website for my affiliate links, tag Taco Bell, and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. Podcast.